By the way, I probably sound weird because I feel weird, just being honest with you. I've been up pretty much all night and I've got some kind of crazy sinus thing going on. So I, I feel like a million dollars right now. And uh, <clears throat> you can uh, pray that uh, the word will go before and it won't matter how I feel. And that's, that's my prayer this morning. A uh, couple things that I want to make mention of um, <clears throat> when, uh, as, uh, before we get into this. Um, that uh, you may need to know about. Uh, one of the things is we are actively pursuing looking for a piece of property for the Hope Center house. Um, yes, um, we made an offer on something this week, and then somebody came in with a cash deal. And so, uh, but uh, anyway, um, just just so you guys know kind of what we're looking for, uh, it could be, you know, you may know somebody that's got a piece of property they're thinking about selling or, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, just don't be afraid to hit us up with it. It could be, you know, five acres with a little farmhouse and, you know, down goes the farmhouse and up goes something else, you know, Barndo or whatever. But um, either way, uh, we're also looking, uh, like the property we looked at this past week was a very nice house, uh, a big house, uh, as you can imagine. It's going to house 30, 40 guys at any given time. Um, but we are looking somewhere close to here. Uh, you know, 24, just so everybody understands how this works, 24 is right. Ra- we raised our 200,000 seed money to say, hey, we're serious about this. Uh, we did that over the past couple few years, uh, and your faithfulness has helped get us there. Um, and so, um, you know, that's, that's, our part is done financially in this. So the Hope Center will be financially responsible from here out, whatever gets bought. Uh, and they will own it. Uh, but again, we'll be the sponsoring church. They will be attending church with us. Uh, you're probably seeing some of those guys uh, already coming some with Stephen uh, some Sundays. Uh, he is already kind of pulling guys aside and asking them to come with him to help start this Hope Center so uh, that are in other Hope Centers locally. So that being said, uh, if you know of anything, uh, even if it seems crazy or whatever, uh, just throw it out there. You know, let us know if you know about something that maybe the world doesn't know about. Uh, and uh, yeah, just, just you know, Stephen asked me if I would say a word about that. So there you go. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, it doesn't have to have a ton of acreage. It really helps uh, just make things a little more simple if it's not smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. You can imagine like putting 40 guys in a house <laughs> in next door, like right next door in your neighborhood or something if you live in a neighborhood like I do. Uh, and uh, some people don't like that. Um, so, uh, and we looked, we looked at two houses this week. The other one, we kind of all agreed it's so close to other houses we just kind of wondered, you know, and, and here's the thing. It's not, it's not what so many people think. And I, I think everybody here knows that, but just in case you don't, it's not a halfway house. It's, you know, these guys want to be a part of this program. It's a year-long program uh, to help uh, them with addiction. It is 100% gospel-based. Uh, it's, it's unlike anything that I have seen thus far uh, in trying to help people get help uh, with this type of stuff. They just do a fantastic job. Uh, and so, um, yeah, um, it, it, generally speaking, the Hope Centers, are, they're not some rundown kind of thing. Uh, you know, it actually saves money in many ways for them to find something that's nicer, uh, go in, have to add some huge, ginormous septic tank and things like that, but uh, spend a little money there. But to spend money on something that's a little nicer up front that doesn't need a whole bunch of work but can be retrofitted, they'll take uh, 
a three-car or two-car garage and turned into, you know, bunk space with uh, bunk beds and stuff, uh, you know, like what they've done over in Springfield. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of probably not what a lot of people think. You know, if you saw the house that we looked at this week, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I want to live in that house. You would want to live in that house. Maybe not with 40 guys, uh, but you, you, you'd probably like that house. It was, it was, it was a cool house, but, uh, you know, uh, he has, he kind of, you know, they kind of have a, uh, an idea of what they're looking for and they want to see, they want people to see where their money is going to. Um, and it's a whole lot easier to see that, uh, when it's a nice situation and they don't want these guys to feel like they're in a halfway house either. So, uh, there, there's a lot to that, that all plays a part of that. But anyway, uh, let us know if you know about something, that'd be great. Uh, also quickly, uh, trunk or treat is tonight. And as of right now, we are on for the trunk or treat. So, um, come hang out with us tonight. I know that we have apparently filled uh, the spots. Uh, You know, you may have to, if you didn't get in on a spot for your car or whatever, uh, to do that or whatever, you can go wrestle David and see if, you know, he'll let you, you know, have a spot or something. I don't know. Uh, You can talk to him about that. But, uh, you know, here's the point of tonight. The point of tonight is to have fun and invite our community to come have fun with us. Their kids come have fun. We beat Jesus to them. We share Christ with them. We, sh- we show them that we love them. They get to be on our campus. They can wander around in our building, see what this is like. I, I think that all those things are great things. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, come, come have a good time. Uh, if you want to dress up, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine, too. You know, whatever, whatever you want to do. So uh, we've, got, uh, we've already got, I've heard a lot of mumblings about the different things that uh, people are dressing up as. So uh, I'm sure that there will be pictures and video uh, and lots of embarrassment uh, before it is over with. So, uh, but anyway, bring bring your candy and give it out to some kids. Let's love on the families of our of our community. Uh, and if and if you want to just come and even just wander around tonight, let's say you don't have a trunk, you just you just want to wander around looking for people that look like you know they could stand somebody to talk to them and let them know that that we love them and that kind of thing. Come on and do it. You know, be a part of it tonight. We'll, we'll have a good time. It, it'll be an easy going deal. All right. Um, <clears throat> Let's jump into uh, Romans chapter eight. We've uh, we've been in this study now for I don't know month and a half or something uh, on uh, Romans chapter eight called "Not Condemned," uh, and uh, we're continuing in that today uh, in our "Not Condemned" study. And today we're picking up uh, Romans eight fourteen through seventeen. I uh, appreciate Ben uh, speaking for me a couple weeks ago while I got to go uh, be with um, our parent, my parents, and. Uh, at Jolton for my dad's last Sunday, uh, he chose to uh, uh, bring me in to speak on his last Sunday, so he didn't have to work on his very last day. I guess is kind of the way that I look at that. But uh, they are actually uh, going to be attending here uh, in the days ahead. They're supposed to be in the second service today, so I plan on firing lots of jokes in his general direction. Um, but. Um, Anyway, uh, so proud of him. He, he retired here a couple weeks ago um, and uh, 33 years at Jolton, and I, be- and I believe 60 years in the ministry. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, very, very cool stuff. Uh, you know, I, it, I, I mentioned this the day that I was there, but, you know, this, this goes back to this philosophy, and I truly believe in this ph- philosophy that you see all through Scripture, people called to a people. 
uh, and I, I, you know, that's, that's what's kept me here. Uh, you know, I, I had a fantastic offer years ago when we couldn't scratch two nickels together that I don't even want to know what they would have paid me. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, and it, at, the, at the end of the day, it's always been about God calling us to be in here. God called him to be there. Uh, you know, and although he's retiring, he's already setting up a, a new speaking gig. So, you know, I think, you know, mom will probably be here with us quite a bit and he'll be out gallivanting around, uh, sharing Jesus with people. And she's probably going to wish that she was back there because I preach twice as long as he does. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, all right. Romans eight, Romans eight. Let's, uh, let's look at this together. Uh, I, I want to read this passage and then, and then let's talk about it, uh, and, uh, kind of get into it together. Romans eight verse 14. In fact, if you've got a Bible, uh, get it out, go with us. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, you can have that one. We'd love for you to keep it and, uh, take it with you and consider it a gift. But, uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 14, would love for you to follow along, uh, in the scriptures with us. We're going to do a little bit of bouncing around, but we're st- sticking, you know, here pretty close by. Uh, we've got a few stragglers in here, but uh, Romans eight fourteen it says this. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Um, Let's just, can we pray over that? Let's pray over that together. God, we need you this morning to show us uh, your word and help us to understand it. Um, God, I, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that you would be glorified today, uh, God, thank you that we can come and gather in your name. God, I pray that every bit of this would be for you. I pray, Lord, for the folks that are here today. God, you've brought people here today that didn't want to come, but you brought them here for purpose. And God, I, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts, that you would comfort them and encourage them today. Um, God, may they hear the gospel. May you change hearts where uh, needed. Um, God, thank you for uh, your son. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Um, this passage, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There's a lot of talk in this passage about sons. Um, this, is, this is primarily, you know, the, you know, kind of a theme that we see in this passage, and it's purposeful. Uh, and we're, we're going to get into to some of that, but uh, when, you, when you're looking at this, you know, the first part there, you've got a four, which is pointing back uh, to one of the verses uh, that Ben shared a couple weeks ago, being verse 13. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of this, you know, asking a question of, you know, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And, you know, if you're asking the question why and you go back to verse 13, uh, it, it helps tie this together. And verse 13, I want to share that even though it's not one of our verses for today specifically. <clears throat> it says this, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So the interesting part of this is, you know, to, to connect these things together and understand what they are doing, uh, you had to have 
gone through verse 13 to get a verse 14. And the verse 13 part of this is some action on our parts and some action on the part of God. Uh, And if you look at that specifically, it's speaking to putting to death the deeds of the body, uh, you know, and this is this this constant war within us. In fact, uh, Piper actually, and and let me just tell you, Piper uh, heavily influenced this message today. He gets all the credit, so whatever. Uh, but uh, Piper says it like this, that, uh, that as you are led into war against your own sin, that that's the leading that it's talking about here in verse 14. Again, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So this is this understanding that if you are putting to death this sin, the deeds of the body that it's talking about in verse 13, if you're doing that, that's a showing that you are a son of God, okay? So that's super important for us to kind of understand because I think for a lot of us, I think, you know, we, we you know, tend to see this like being led by the Spirit as this like, you know, okay, Lord, I need you to, to lead me with if this is the right job or not, or if this is the right person to date, or, you know, whatever it may be. And there's nothing wrong for praying for clarity on those things, but specifically what Paul is talking about right here is he's talking about putting to death sin, going into war with the Spirit against our own sin. So imagine the spirit and he just walked out the door, okay? And we're going to follow him to where he's going. That's the being led that this is talking about. It's talking about us following God to put to death these things in our lives that are destroying us to begin with. Sin destroys. We know that, right? We don't want sin in our lives. Right now, you I don't care who you are. You have something in your life. You have some probably form of sin that you want so badly. You wish that you could just snap your fingers and it just go away and it haunts you and you feel like it's just always there and you just so badly want to rid yourself of it. This is how that happens. It's a following the Spirit. It's a heart change. It's a heart change, okay? We, we, don't, we don't have, you know, uh, a magic thing to make our sin go away. Jesus died on the cross in our place, took the death that we deserve for our sin, right? That we could be forgiven of it. But not just that, not just forgiven of that sin, freed from it. Freed from it. Isn't that amazing? How amazing is that, right? And so for us to understand that the way this works is us literally just being willing to follow the Spirit. Like we're, you know, following, you know, remember at recess, you got to get in a single file line and follow the kid in front of you or whatever. You know, we're following the Spirit into war against our sin for him to put it to death. But that comes from a heart change. That comes from something happening with us on the inside of us spending time with the Lord, of us being changed by who God is in pursuing him. But when all that starts to happen, Paul is saying, this is proof that we are sons of God. Okay? So our life mission 
changed when we found Christ. Our life mission changed when we found Christ. Maybe before that life mission, maybe before we found Christ, we wanted earthly things. We uh, desired earthly things. We desired, uh, you know, whatever, I, you know, pick, pick your flavor, all kinds of different types of things that are not bad things, right? You know, we, and we get, and God even says, we get to enjoy these things that are here, but we have to be careful. We've talked about this a lot. We had a whole series about it, the Idol Factory series, about how we take good things and we turn them into idols. God's saying, don't do that. Follow me. Let worship me. Let me be your idol. And so in saying that, what God is saying, he's like, I've got the way to help lead you in this life. Be led by the Spirit is a matter of us following the Lord, following through his word, following seeking time with him. When we seek time with him, it changes us, right? It changes us. We'll talk about that a little more here in a little while. Verse 15, it goes on. So, so we, new identity. Verse 14 is a whole lot of, of just basic ground thing of, you know, that this is a new identity. We have a new identity in Christ, and he has changed us, and there's so much for us that the Lord has, and it is so good, okay? And, and we miss that sometimes because we're, we get caught up in this world and all things. Verse 15 goes on. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, this is fantastic stuff, by the way. Uh, so good. So good for us to hear. So good for us to be reminded. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. This is a helping us to see where we were. And, and, he's, and he's pointing this out to say, don't fall back into that. Don't fall back into that. You are no longer in slavery, right? You are no longer in fear, you know? Back before we knew Jesus, we were slaves to sin. And we lived with fear. And what God is showing us here is that through Christ, through the adoption in which he has done, through the spirit, the spirit of adoption, as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He's like, don't go back. Keep moving forward, right? Now, here's an interesting piece of this. If you're looking at this, verse 15, uh, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Now, that there's a word there. There's a Greek word there that is used, that is actually, the definition is to basically, the literal translation is to sun eyes us, to sun eyes us, to, to make us sons. That's weird with our language because we're, you know, we don't use sun eyes. That's not, you know, something that, you know, but, but that's, you know, that's, that's what the Lord is doing. And through Christ, through our adoption, he's making us his sons, literal family here. And, and also, I, I want us to understand something because I, you know, I still hear people say this. It's especially like true in the South. You hear people say statements like, you know, when I'll say, hey, tell me about when uh, you came to know the Lord. And they'll say, well, I've just always known God because I grew up in church. Okay, you always knew about God. 
because you grew up in church. The understanding of this is that Jesus saves us at some point, right? He sunizes us, makes us a part of the family, right? And it's good for us to understand that and know that that we're not hanging our hats on like what anybody else's faith was in our life or, you know, the, the life that we lived once upon a time when we used to serve a lot or do this or do that. Forget all that. The question is, do you know Jesus? Have you experienced salvation in believing on him and him saving you, right? This whole thing here is making us sons. It says, uh, as sons, God did not give us a spirit of slavery. Instead, we are family. We are sons. He didn't send Jesus to die for us to then make us slaves. That's not who God is. And that's not what he wanted to do. And it's not what he did. He, he, didn't, he didn't make us slaves. He made us family. Now, some of you are like, well, I hope they're not like my family. Well, <laughs> we, most of us are probably like, you know, some of the knuckleheads in your family. But the truth is, is the, that the understanding here is that God didn't make us slaves. He made us a part of his family. He adopted us as sons. All this talk about sons. And if you're a female, you're probably like, okay, well, that's great. I'm a girl. Okay, good. We're glad you're girls, okay? Um, the understanding here is, is that we all, this is going to be weird for a second, so just hang in here with me. The understanding here is that we all become sons of God. And you're like, uh, you missed that part where I just told you I'm a girl. I got you. Hang on, okay? Chill out. This understanding is something that Paul is being specific with because he understood well adoption in the world that he grew up, grew up in 2,000 years ago. And so adoption today, you know, we have, we have, when we hear the word adoption, we think about adoption and we're not thinking about how God has adopted us into his family. Then for most of us, we're probably thinking about like families that we know that have adopted or maybe, uh, you know, that you've been adopted or, um, you know, whatever, you know, different stories. And, you know, we've had lots of families in our church that, uh, you know, have done adoptions. We've had t-shirts. I've got, I got at least two t-shirts that say something about adoption on uh, from families in our church and stuff, raising money for adoptions and all that. And we love all that. And by the way, living out the gospel couldn't be more amazing than adopting children uh, that need a home. But, you know, for us to understand something about that day and age, and that Paul definitely understood as a Roman, that in that culture, if someone was being adopted, it was normally because there was a wealthy person who did not have an heir. Okay, and so they had, you know, built their little empire, you know, or whatever, and they recognized they didn't have an heir. They didn't have kids. They'd never married, whatever it may be. Um, and so somewhere along the way, they would go and adopt someone, someone that was not part of their family originally. They may have had a fine upbringing and a fine, you know, uh, 
uh, mother and father and all these things, but let's just say, you know, they got close and, you know, they said, you know what, that person right there means a lot to me. I would love for that person to be my heir. So it wasn't just about kids. It wasn't just about teenagers or small children. It could be a, an adult. And a lot of times it was that this person would say, I'm going to adopt you as a son. And so the understanding here that Paul is using when he is saying this, he's speaking to a crowd that understands all of this at that time. And where someone with wealth was looking for an heir to leave their estate to, you know, really where the rubber hits the road and why he's using this son language and not talking about daughters is because he wants everyone in the family of God to understand something that they understood, and that's that the oldest son at that time got the goods. Daughters, not so much, right? But in our case, we all get the inheritance, not just boys, not just men, right? But everyone. And so Paul, using this language as all being sunized, okay, is on purpose for us to understand that we are equal in heirs to the kingdom of God. How amazing is that? And so I know some of you, there's probably somebody still fighting against this thought that they're being called a son. Just FYI, if you don't remember, the church is called the bride of Christ, okay? So we got equal opportunity going on here. And some of you ladies should probably look at your husband right now and just be like, you'd make a good bride for somebody. You know what? <laughs> You're welcome. God makes sons, not slaves. Therefore, not fearful people, but people who cry, Abba, Father. We're not falling back into fear. We're not going back. We now have security we now can reach out to the greatest daddy of all time, safe in his arms, crying. Again, Abba, Father, this daddy name that we have in the Bible for God himself. And that's, that's the, you know, he's not by accident choosing that name over other names of God. He's wanting to help us to see that this, that this is a part of God and how he loves us and cares for us and wants us to have a relationship with him is that we would find security in him, that we would be fearless in him, right? Crying out, Abba, Father, from our hearts. And again, that has to be from the heart thing. But by the way, maybe you feel like your relationship with the Lord right now is not what it should be. Maybe today you just need to spend some time crying out, Abba, Father, I know that you want to be the ultimate dad. For some people, that's a struggle. They've never had a great dad here. You know, I'm telling you, the Lord will set those things on fire with who he is and how he loves us and how he cares for us. Verse 16 goes on. It says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Children of God. The Spirit leads us to that cry 
that we just saw a minute ago, the Abba Father cry, the crying out for Abba Father, right? The Spirit leads us to that. It points us back to Christ and to the Father. He puts it in our hearts. He puts to death the deeds of our body. It's this understanding that there is a sweet love for the Father, that Abba Father piece, versus, if you go back to verse 13, the putting to death in the body, this hatred towards sin, this being led by the Spirit in such a way that we hate sin like He hates sin, right? And that we want to slay it. We don't want to just like live with it and it just be okay. And you know, we got like our little Chia pet sins or something, you know? We're like going to water them every once in a while, you know? Don't fall into that. It hurts us. He loves us. He cares for us. That's why he wants us to be free of it. The truth is, is as we spend time with God, I, I know, especially speaking for me personally, the more clearly I see my sin in my life and in my heart, the more I spend time with the Lord. Doesn't matter if it's just prayer time, spending time in his word, worshiping, whatever. It's this amazing thing that happens where me, this way imperfect idiot, you know, like finds myself next to the perfect God. And suddenly those things stick out way more than ever before. And that's on purpose. God wants me to see those things. He wants me to recognize that those things are still existing in my life to remind me, hey, hey man, you know, don't fall back into that. You're free from that. Walk away from it. Do you realize that in Christ, you have power over your sin? In Christ, you have power over the devil? You realize that? He's got nothing on you. If you know Jesus, you've been set free. It's an amazing thing that God has done for us. And at the end of the day, it's this understanding, the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God is this, this reminder that it's really still all about Jesus. If you look at John 15, 26, it says this, it says, but when the helper comes, that's talking about the spirit, right? Uh, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. This is Jesus talking. He's saying the Spirit is going to point you in my direction to follow, to lean on, to cry out to. We don't become children of God without Jesus. It's all rooted in Christ. Verse 17 goes on. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I'm going to read that again. If, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, like brothers and sisters, like we just became brothers with Christ, sisters with Christ, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
Glorified with him. That's a, that's a statement. That's talking about us eternally being glorified with God. That's talking about something amazingly special. God will make us glorious in death for those of us who have trusted in Christ. And if you look at the scriptures here, in fact, verse 29 talks about being conformed in the image of his son, right? First Peter 3, actually, in verse 21, talks about how our bodies will be raised from the dead and we will share in his glory. And then Matthew 13, 43 says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. We will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the father. Why? Because he is making us children to being part of the family of God. Heirs. Heirs. That's unbelievable. If children, then heirs, right? We could not take the inheritance if we were not glorified with him. It would kill us. It would wipe us out. He, he transforms us in eternity into this amazingly special thing that is like him. Not, he's not making us God, okay? So let's don't take it for that. But we could not take this inheritance if we were not glorified with God. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 says this. It says, so do not boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future are all yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So what do we inherit? Everything. Everything. According to that, we inherit everything. How crazy is that? Well, what about this suffering piece? You know, you go back to verse 17, right? It says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The suffering with him is the suffering of this life. Putting the deeds of the body to death. You know, it's tough. Killing sin, right? It's tough putting that stuff to death. It's tough going through the processes of these things that God wants to do in us. But it's this reminder that our suffering here is not for nothing. It is a part of this whole thing this whole plan that God has to make us a part of his family. Freedom from slavery. Freedom from sin. Giving us things like the gift of joy in him. Sufferings of this present time. All difficult things. Second. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this. It says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
I don't know who needs to hear that today. Maybe you're going through like the hardest moment of your life. I'm here to tell you, the Lord is going to use every ounce of what you're going through. He has a plan for his glory to take it and make it his. It feels like yours. It feels like your burden to bear. But you know what? He wants you to give it to him and you endure and you keep focused on the Lord and keep glorifying him through it. And he's going to use that junk. And he's, and he's going to make himself even more famous by the people that are in your life looking at you walking through these fires and watching you seek the Lord and stay steadfast toward him. He'll use it. He gives us a new identity, a new intimacy, and a new inheritance. When I was a kid, uh, Dad and I were flipping around watching TV one time, and uh, <clears throat> I remember we found this movie. It's kind of a weird movie, uh, made in like 1979, called Scavenger Hunt, and uh, it's it's a comedy. Uh, I don't remember the language. It's probably not great if I had to guess, but uh, so I'm not endorsing it today. I'm just telling you about it, okay? Uh, but the, uh, the premise of the movie, uh, and the movie is pretty funny, uh, the premise of the movie is there's all these people uh, that are family members of this guy who dies, and the guy had a, a state of $200 million, right? And so uh, they go to the reading of the will, and at the reading of the will, this guy, I think, I think he, uh, his business was making games, uh, you know, and so... Anyway, at the reading of the will, this, you know, this lawyer gets up there and he reads the will. And basically, <clears throat> it is determined that he, is the, he gives out all these like, you know, little binders of stuff you know, or whatever. And basically, is going to send his entire family on a scavenger hunt. And whoever gets the most things with the most points, everything had different point designations or whatever... Uh, by 5 p.m. that day, would get the inheritance. It's a pretty funny movie. Um, I was thinking about that movie. I was thinking about that inheritance. And of course, we all, you know, everybody wishes they'd get that phone call. You know, hey, you had an uncle over here you didn't know about. He did really well for himself. He found you on his very last day of life. You're getting it all, right? The interesting thing about that movie is they have to win, win the inheritance. They have to earn the inheritance. That's not the way God set this up for us. You see, adoption is costly, Ever talked to a family that told you how much it costs to adopt? It's a lot. We started, we got through two home studies, kept having kids. Finally, we gave up. Um, that's a true story. Get that $1,000 paid for the home study. Oh, guess what? We're pregnant. Oh, great. I didn't need that $1,000. That's like, that's, that's like a drop in the bucket for what adoption costs, you know? 
But talk to a family that's actually gone through with adoption. We have several in our church, and I thank God for them. Uh, they, they have paid a deep price to adopt. Now, not, just, not just financially, but giving of themselves, sacrificing time and space and all these things that it would take to just take on another person in your family. And with God, we can't win it. We can't earn it. He paid that price. He paid the price of adoption through sending his son and adopting us as sons. And how ironic is it that he would send his son to die that we could be sons in his family? Galatians 4, verse 4 says this. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So the question of the day is this. Are you a son? Are you a son of the Almighty? I hope so. If not, today's your lucky day. Today, you could believe if God is speaking to your heart about this today, believe in him. I encourage you. Believe in him. We're going to pray in just a minute. You could pray right now. If you pray to receive Jesus as your Savior today, I'm going to go out in the foyer. We're going to take communion in a minute. And when I go out there, you're welcome to come out there and talk to me. I'd love to talk and pray with you about what it means to follow Jesus with your life. Know him as your Savior. Let's pray. God, right now, for anyone that is lost and haven't found you yet, God, I pray that right now they would cry out to you, Abba, Father, save me. Make me new. Lord, we believe in Jesus. We believe in the work of the cross and an empty tomb. God, we pray that you would save and make new anyone calling on your name right now. God, may they lay their sin at your feet and cry out to you as their king. God, for those of us that are believers, God, I pray that we as sons would seek you, be changed by you, be glorified in us. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen.